How many people are ready for a word today? All right. Super excited just to kind of tee this up for you, the message this morning. Uh, this week, really, I've been preparing for, for a long time now for a series I'm getting ready to start next weekend. I'm particularly excited about called Work is Good. And I really hope that you'll be able to hook in with us, whether it's through the online services or here in person. Uh, you know, many people struggle with their work life, how it fits into their faith walk and their spiritual life, almost compartmentalized. They dread work, they hate work. I'm just telling you, that's not the way God has designed it. I would say what we do vocationally is an element or a part of our calling, of our purpose and destiny, certainly can change over the years. But the Bible has a lot to say about how we approach work and how we relate to our vocation uh, as a form of our walk with God. So I'm looking forward to that. been actually studying. The Lord's been doing some things in me on this for over a year now. So this series has been really incubating for some time. But as I was preparing this week, I had a couple messages that I was uh, trying to decide between preaching today. And they were, I would say, preach ready and passionate about them. And then about 24 hours, well now it's 48 hours ago, I guess somewhere on Friday, uh, I felt like the Lord did one of those about turns, you know, U-turns, and he kind of pulled pull me back around to this place where he's uh, having me kind of continue on, I would say, from the message that we talked about last week, which was the goodness of God. I'm not really calling this part two of the goodness of God, but it, it's sort of like an extension from that vein. Uh, there's some things in here that I feel like the Lord wants to get us really theologically grounded on, some things that need to be established as pillars of our faith, things that we walk out on a regular basis, that just, they come out of us in times and in seasons of trial, of difficulty, because they're a part of our inner man, they're a part of the substance of our faith that God has really established on the inside of us. Does that make sense? So we're going to go today, let's start by going to Romans chapter 8. If you have your Bibles with you, go to Romans chapter 8. I think what we'll do, we'll just read a few verses to start out, and then we will kind of look at the context of this, and then we will dial back into these few verses. So let's look at verse 31. Paul writes this to in his letter here. And remember, this is chapter 8. This is quite a ways into the letter after everything that he's been uh, saying to them. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? See, you're ready for this one, aren't you? Let's read that again. and Read it with me, would you? What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we're ready for your word today. We're hungry, God, for the bread of life. Would you speak to us? Holy Spirit, would you illuminate? Would you unveil and uncover hidden things to us? 
previously unknown to our natural man, but available by the inner treasure of your rich resources to those who seek you, God. We want to know you more. We want to see you more. There's nothing in us that can partake of that apart from you, Holy Spirit, showing us the way. And so we permit you, we open up our hearts to you today and say, do whatever you need to do. Shake us, dust us off, stir us up, even mess with us a little bit today, God, if you need to mess with us, that we may see some things, that we may be fed some things, and that they may be established in us, that we would leave here today in a stronger position of our faith and strengthen in our inner man. We seek you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Woo, man. That's a good way to start. I love the way that um, <clears throat> chose these verses to start because Paul is using sort of like a summary to some things in the way that he's writing. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, it's kind of like a literary device, if you will. There's certain ways of writing styles that are used by the scribes uh, and the writers of the scriptures to get various points across called literary devices. And so here's the way that this is working. He's gone through a number of deep, powerful truths and revelations about who God is and what God has done for his people. And then as he gets to the end of it, he asks this question. He says, what then shall we say to these things? Does that make sense? It's almost like, Vicky. How do, you res- how do we respond to all of what I've just <laughs> explained to you? And then he says, if God be for us, you tell me who could possibly be against us. Actually, the title of the message today, if you're taking notes, is God is for you. God is for you. This is, again, one of those truths that I want to sink deep down in your spirit to really become a strong part of your faith. That, you, that rises up in you in your walk. You're going to come into places and situations where there's going to be things coming against you. I promise you there will be opposition as you walk the path of God. And Paul's making a huge statement that needs to be not only revelation in the moment, but it's got to come out of them in future seasons of their life where there's something that rises up in you and says, I can looking at all that's going on and I'm just going to say, if God is for me, who or what can possibly be against me? Don't you like that he says who or what? Who or what? What? I mean, we know that there are demonic forces at work, evil spirits that are dispatched by Satan to try to stifle and destroy the works of God happening in the lives of God's people. No matter what comes against you, God is for you. Does it no matter who comes against you? It may come as a surprise to some, but the Bible says that Satan is at work in the sons of disobedience. There are people who are highly deceived in the world that are manipulated and used by Satan to carry out his bidding as well. I'm just trying to let you see the reality, but I want to encourage you. You have nothing to fear. You have nothing to worry about because if God be for you, tell me who can be against you. So he's, he's said a few things leading up to this. Let's look at just a couple of uh, interesting, powerful points that he reveals throughout chapter 8. These are just some of the headlines. The time wouldn't permit me to go through everything that he shares. 
But one of the things he talks about, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's a huge deal, right? You, we don't carry condemnation or the sin or the shame of sin anymore because of what Jesus has done for us. He says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, who raised Christ from the dead, he'll give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the spirit of God that's living in you. Not some diminished, less potent form of God's power, but the fullness of God's power is dwelling on the inside of you by the person of the Holy Spirit. He says this, he says that the Spirit bears witness with us that we are children of God, therefore we are heirs or joint heirs with Christ. He's saying you've got a full inheritance that you now can step into that's waiting for you. Huge things. Folks, these, these truths are monumental because they imply that the life we now live in Christ should be marked by power, victory, overcoming through every season of our lives. Trial and tribulation, yes, but victory and overcoming should mark the walk of a child of God. And Paul's, he's just like, these are huge things. I mean, God is inviting us into a huge destiny. We have these major promises that I sometimes wonder or think if many in the church even partially step into, right? I think in many cases there's this huge inheritance that's been bought for us and some never really even venture out or tread into that supernatural realm of possibility that God has now opened up a way for us to live in. Paul's just unpacking this stuff, huge stuff. And he says, what are we going to say to these things? How do we respond to this? Let's sink this deep down in our spirit. I need you to know if God did all this other stuff, if all these other promises are a part of what we get in Jesus, then you need to know, man, if anybody, anything, any who, any what comes against you, I'm just telling you, if God is for you, who or what can possibly be against you? When develop that faith muscle, right? This, this kind of style of writing to get this point drastically across. Let me just give you a sort of an example. Let's say I invite you over to my place this weekend for a Memorial Day barbecue. And I bring you in, Marvin, when you get there, I say, Marvin, I got I to gotta show you everything that we've got today. First, come on in here to the kitchen and look at the spread here that's on the island. We've got all these appetizers and these hors d'oeuvres. I mean, we've got everything from finger foods to veggie. I mean, it's Everything you could imagine is out here, and these are just the appetizers. Come over here, Marvin. I want to take you outside. I want to show you my grill and my smoker. I've got this big brisket that's been smoking for the last 12 or 14 hours. Let me give you a little sample, Marvin. I got baby back ribs, slabs of them, and they're falling off the bone. Oh, baby. I, oh, I think that's served in heaven. Uh, uh, let's go on. Let's go on in and see what's cooking in the oven for dessert. All these cakes and cookies and all these sweet things for your sweet tooth after dinner. And so I show you all this stuff. And then I say, why am I showing you this, Marvin? Why am I telling you all this? 
because I want you to see and know you're not going to go away hungry. <laughs> you're going to be full when you leave here. If I think you might have a concern about something or there's some real important thing you need to know, my kids, they're, we're going to starve to death. They always think they're going to starve, right? <laughs> you think there's something you need to know or see, I'm going to unpack all these things to give you all this proof and evidence, and then I'm going to make this kind of final statement, Marvin, you don't need to worry about going hungry. You ain't going to go hungry here. Paul's saying, look at all this stuff. How much more do I need to go through to prove to you that God is for you? Huge. This is how good he is to us. He is for us. His goodness is pursuing those who seek him. His favor follows us and goes with us wherever we go, and it changes the game or outcome in every situation that we would endeavor to go down. I pray often, God, let your favor go ahead of me. Open the doors that I can't open for your, myself. Because, Lord, if your favor is on us in this situation, then everything we need is going to come to pass. But, you know, not everybody thinks this way. Not everybody sees God as being for them. In fact, there are a lot of people who view God in a couple of different ways that I would say is, is just bad theology or bad doctrine, and it's they view God, one, as being just completely indifferent to what goes on in the affairs of men's lives. God, he's just up there, he's, he's busy, you know, controlling the cosmos and the universe. What does he care about how th things work out for little old me? Yeah, there's this idea that I'm going to heaven and that's great, but as far as my daily life and what's going on, like God is indifferent to what's happening. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Or even worse of a perspective, I would say, is some look at God in this view of he's just this like angry father who's just waiting to slap the hand and slap the wrist anytime one of his children make the smallest mistake. And that's a terrible way to view God because ultimately it's an impossible thing to walk this life out without making mistakes. So at some point, people get so discouraged, they just throw in the towel. What's the point and what's the use? I can't do this. Both are bad, improper views of who God is. And somewhere along the line, maybe some bad doctrine, some bad theology was established. I've got good news for you if that's maybe what you've walked through in your life, that the truth of God's word can unravel and deconstruct bad doctrine, bad theology, false ideas and belief systems, and reconstruct foundations and systems that are rooted in the truth of God all at the same time. That's how powerful the word can be. Just another little point, bad doctrine and bad theology oftentimes is established, believe it or not, off of one verse or one particular point in Scripture that's just been totally taken out of context, abused and misused, and a whole theology formed around that. If people say, God's not for me, or he's just waiting to strike, I would say, you haven't read the whole book. <laughs> you haven't taken the entirety of God's word in to understand what kind of a loving 
merciful and gracious Father we serve. You see, the truth is, God is for you. He is for you. He is setting us up, let me say it that way, equipping us to succeed. In fact, He really is your biggest fan. He's cheering you on. He wants you to succeed in this purpose and destiny that He's created you for more than anyone else possibly could. Those of us who are parents, maybe grandparents in the room, or even if you played sports as a kid and your parents or grandparents came to your games or things like that, how many know, like, we are our kids or grandkids' biggest fans, aren't we? I mean, my daughter Eliza, she just, she just started doing this front walkover where she pops herself up, you know? And, and I mean, from my eyes, she's ready for the Beijing Olympics. I mean... <laughs> And she just, she's incredible. I mean, I'm showing people, look, look at this. This is unbelievable. I mean, I'm expecting their jaw to just drop to the floor, you know. Others are the same way, you know. Oh, little Johnny, look at this painting. He's the next Picasso. It's paint by numbers, you know. It's just, we see our kids in a different light. But what I'm telling you is God is looking on us in a very similar way He's cheering us on. He's your biggest fan. God is for you. And if God be for you, tell me please who or what can be against you. You see, we need to know that, folks. We need to live from that truth. Because here's the thing. God's going to call you into these great things that he's going to want you to step out in and tread upon and live this supernatural lifestyle in the realm of impossibilities with man, where God makes all things possible, the realm of the unknown, gain the realm of faith, not sight. He's going to ask us to come out into this place, and there will be opposition. There will be. And yes, many times it's circumstances, trials, and difficulties but there are times where, and maybe you can relate to this, maybe even now you can relate to this, you're stepping into something you know is a God-sized thing. And you get a little ways down the road, and you come into the unfortunate reality that there are other people who are actually rooting against you. You ever been there before? Other people who are rooting against you. There's all kinds of reasons for that. We won't go into that today. But people who are hoping you fail, sometimes these things get back to us. And they can create, if we allow them to, great levels of discouragement and disappointment. That if we are not strong in our faith, I'll just warn you, could derail you from the walk that God has you on. There are people who will root against you. I'm not going to say something to you. I'm going to make a statement. And I want to say this very lovingly. But I want to toughen your faith muscle. That's really my part. That's really my role. There are people who are rooting against you. This is what I would say. So what? 
I mean that from the depth of my soul. So what? Here's why I say that. Because if God is for you, what does it matter who is against you? What I'm trying to say is not that we just wreck relationships in our lives and don't attempt to work through situations. What I'm trying to say is that they have no authority, they have no power to control the outcome of what God has purposed as victory in your life when he calls you down a path. You need to know that. It comes along, oh, that hurts. But you know what? If God is for me, it doesn't really matter who's against me. I'm going to keep walking this path in faith, and I'm going to see God bring that victory through, no matter how many people are naysaying or coming against me. We have got to be a people who persist in the face of opposition. There are going to be all kinds of smoke screens that the enemy is going to throw up in your life, ancillary distracting battles that are totally mute of the main point God has for you. And if the enemy can pull you off in all these smoke screens, he will do that. Winston Churchill said, if you stop to throw stones at every dog that barks along the way, you will never arrive at your destination. God has a path and a plan for you, and we keep our eyes fixed on Him and on heaven, and we know that all these things may rise against us, but God will see us through. The victory has already been purchased. The story has already been written. We are just walking it out in faith now. we got to get strong in our faith, right? That's spiritual, that faith muscle. It's going to have to flex itself a whole lot of times in your life if you want to lay hold of the destiny that God has for you. Solomon said in Proverbs 24, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. I don't think he was saying that in a demeaning way. I think he was saying that in a challenging kind of way. Come up in your faith. Get strong in your faith. Be matured in your faith. God's calling you into the depth of the deeper waters, not to live in ankle deep for the rest of your life. We've got to cultivate our spirit man. And one of the huge truths of Scripture that will help us to fortify that is knowing in all times, in all seasons, that God is for you. A good point for an amen right there. God is for you. God is for you. I want to take you now to go to 2 Samuel chapter 22. And... uh, going to kind of camp out over here for the rest of the time. So this particular, you know, truth and revelation, God is for you. His favor is with you. He's the defender of your reputation, your protector. You know, all these, I spent so much of my life trying to, like, fight in the smoke screen, basically, you know, in the beginning of God doing things is just, oh, well, i got to fix this. Oh, that person doesn't like Oh, that person misunderstood me. Oh, yeah. You know, all these things. And uh, this just really exploded in me, this truth that God is for us. And he's for you in all seasons. That's part of his immutable character, his unchanging character, is he's always for you, right, for his children. 
And, uh, and so in this chapter in 2 Samuel 22, really the end of 2 Samuel, is David's final words. Now, how many know that when you're looking or listening to the final words of a man who's walked with God his whole life, and he's having a major reflection moment, pretty important stuff to pay attention to, right? And so David is describing in 2 Samuel 22, actually, this is a kind of like a worship song. There are many of the phrases and statements in 2 Samuel 22 that mirror a lot of statements in Psalms, which obviously David wrote those too, many of those. And so he breaks out in kind of this worship session in 2 Samuel 22, the end of his life. He's wanting those that are listening to hear all these things, and he's describing, basically, I would summarize as how God has been for him and with him and on his side through his entire life through everything that he's gone through, including all the afflictions, the, the pursuit of Saul to kill him, the pursuit of his son Absalom to kill him, all these different things. And he's just reflecting on this. I want you to listen to the heart of a man who worshiped God and lived with God, who knew he was for him. Let's start in verse 7. In my distress, I called upon the Lord, and I cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple and my cry entered his ears. Hallelujah. Boy, that's something to take in right there. Listen to this, verse 8. And then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of heaven quaked and were shaken because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens and came down. With darkness under his feet, he rode upon a cherubim and flew and was seen upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness canopies under him, dark waters and thick clouds of skies. From the brightness before him, coals of fire were kindled. You ought to read this whole chapter this week and just pray and meditate on it. But here's what David is saying. He's giving us this glorious poetic picture of God's response to the troubling times that one of his children are going through. And I love this picture of our father. He's a father that when he hears the faith-filled cries and prayers of his children, he gets moving, and heaven and earth start shaking. You see that? He's got smoke coming out of his nostrils. He's a father who's not going to allow a hand to be laid to one of his children. He's shaking heaven and earth. He's riding on the wind that he created. He's doing everything in his full scope of omnipotence, all power to see that his children are provided for, are taken care of, and are protected. When I know that I have a father in heaven who's willing to move like that for me, you see, this isn't just the way that God relates to David. This is the way that God wants to relate to us. You who are parents, we know if our kids are in trouble, if they're struggling, if they're in, in threat of being harmed, I, I'd be willing to bet no matter what's going on in your life, no matter where you are, everything stops. You are coming to the aid and the rescue of your child in need, and nothing will stop you from getting there. This is the 
heart of God. And if, if our earthly mothers and fathers can love us this well, how much more our heavenly Father will move within things that are at his disposal, like heaven and earth, and shake things to make sure that we are protected and taken care of. Oh, are you getting this picture that God is for you? David says this as we move on. Listen to this language. Verse 20 in 22, chapter 22. He says, he brought me into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. So this started to really explode in me. I'm just kind of describing how this, this journey took place for myself. But I heard, I read that and all these things. And this, he set me in a broad place. That particular statement struck me because I knew, I'm like, I've, I've read that many times, language similar to that in Scripture. This is why it's so important to take in the Word of God often and regularly, because you just got to get a lot of Word in you, because when you're reading or you're going through situations, let me tell you what happens, the Word comes out of you. <laughs> you got to get a lot of Word in you, because I'm reading, I'm like, oh, I've read that all over the place, and so I just kind of started searching. Actually, just a little bit later, verse 37 in the same chapter he says this, you've enlarged my path under me so that my feet do not slip. Man, that's, this, there's, I'm, I'm seeing a picture, this common language, like there's a broad place where my feet rest. There's this enlarged path beneath me that God is creating for my steps. And I continue on and in Psalms 31 verse 8, it says, you've, you've set my feet in a wide place. Psalms 118.5 says, The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see on those who hate me. And then in Proverbs 4.12, Solomon says, When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. And when you run, you will not stumble. Wow. So let me paint this picture for you today, and I hope, I pray that, that this will encourage you. God will just establish something in you uniquely the way that he has for me. But this idea that God is enlarging the ground of your footing and security of the space in front of you as you walk. Because here's how I think many times people view trying to walk out this life that God compels us to. His commands, His ways, all these things in the Bible. And people think, you ever see those pictures where somebody is uh, like walking on this tightrope over the top of this huge canyon where they're just like walking across, they got no harness or anything on? You ever think, gosh, that person's absolutely nuts, right? Well, I think sometimes we have this tendency, maybe we haven't consciously realized this, but we feel like walking out this plan that God has for us is almost like a tightrope experience. Oh God, I gotta, I gotta make all the right decisions. Oh, I gotta make. Oh, if I just don't choose the right person to marry. Oh, if I don't, if I don't pick the right job. What if I move and it's not the right call? Oh God, you tell me I gotta. Oh, and we think we're trying to just tread on this tight rope. It's almost impossible to walk out. But I'm trying to say, that's not the picture 
that David sees. It's not the picture that Solomon sees. It's not the picture that all the scripture paints for us. God says, I'm enlarging the path beneath your feet. I'm setting you in a broad place. I'm expanding the ground around you so that you're safe and secure. If you'll just get to stepping, if you'll just get to walking, if you'll just get to tread now into this realm of supernatural possibilities, don't be afraid, don't fear. I am for you, and I'm going to make the ground safe around you as you walk this thing out with me. Wow. But if we don't know that, if we don't tap into that in our faith, man, that God's for us, we can think about this tightrope kind of endeavor, and then just the impossibility of that causes us to slip back into the shadows and places. We never really venture out into a life of courage, adventurous faith, let me say it that way, to take risks and step out there for God. You ever travel somewhere, go to a trip or a destination, and you type in the coordinates of where you're headed in your GPS? I think we've probably all done that, right? You type it in. And what's beautiful about the way GPS works is that as long as you know your final destination, as long as you know the place that you are focused on getting to, when you're traveling, it's routing you, it's instructing you, it's leading you and guiding you, let's say. And if for some reason you get focused on a billboard or a conversation in the car on the way, and you miss something. You know what GPS has a miraculous way of doing? Rerouting. Don't you love that feature? You're not... I mean, it's like, uh, you know, new, new path. Now make a left up here in two miles, and then you'll cross back on to where you are headed, and you're still safely going to arrive at your destination. This is what I found. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all things shall be added unto you, fully equipped in every season and every moment. If, what? You're seeking first (laughs) the kingdom of God, God's will, God's ways, this dying to self-experience that we live out, where it's like, Lord, I can only be as sure as I can be about things. I can only see through a glass dimly, as Paul put it, in any particular season in my life. But I'll tell you what I've done. I've sold out to Jesus. And I've put his will as the final coordinates in my GPS. His kingdom is my highest. It's my highest. His will, his way, his kingdom. Let my life be used to glorify him and build his church. I'm sold out to it. And I know that my father is so good. He loves me so much and he's so for me. 
that when I make a wrong turn, miss something, fail to properly discern something God's trying to show me because it happens, I love you, Father, because my heart is fixed on Him. It's palpable, palpable. it's tender, it's like clay in the potter's hands because my heart is fixed on him. He could say, whoa, 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 no, 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 son, no, 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 no. And I feel like my life is lived this way. God, keeping me on the path that he has for me, walking this out, I can be bold, I can be adventurous, I can take risk, I can have faith because God's not up here watching me and I'm trying to do this impossible thing on my own on a tightrope. He's saying, I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm never going to leave you and I'm surrounding you with an enlarged path for your steps that's safe and secure for you to tread upon. Seek first the kingdom of God. I'll close with this thought. First has several implications. You could say first as a matter of priority. My highest aim, it's the number one thing. It's, it's above all other things. My pleasure, my desires, my own will, second, <laughs> down here, below God's. Highest priority, seek first. But you know what else first means? It means sequential. In the order of steps. So when you set out on a journey, when you go into a new season, when you're moving towards a career change, a location of where you live, and family thing you name it, any major life moment, God's kingdom is the ultimate priority, but sequentially, it's my leading thought. Does that make sense? It's not, well, it's going to affect me, what's it going to do, what's it going to do? I think about those things, okay? I think about that, and absolutely, I think about how it affects my family and my kids, because I'm their provider and protector, not above God, but I'm called there. But I think first, sequentially, God, what's best for your kingdom? What's best for your plan? Because when God, and he, he says, you want to know that? I'll show you that. When God reveals that, it just starts putting to death many other options that are all inferior to the one that God's ways will carve out for us. Sequentially and priority. Seek first the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. So I'll close with this. God is for you. Let's say that together. And say me instead of you. God is for me. And that ought to encourage your soul today. Because whatever it is you're going through, I mean, I don't have to go around and question everybody in the room. I just know from talking to lots of people all the time, I know there's all kinds of stuff going on. James says, when you fall into various trials. Let me tell you something. That word various, really true. There's all kinds of different ones. And we all got a lot of them throughout our lives. But whatever you're going through, maybe it's causing you disappointment. Maybe you're discouraged. Feeling like this thing that I set out on feel like I'm in a stall. I feel like I'm stuck. Something needs to give. Something needs to move. I just want to encourage you today. I feel like the Lord wants you to hear this. 
I, I don't have the plans. I don't have the blueprint. <laughs> I don't have the next 30 days mapped out for you. I just want to tell you this. God is for you. And if he's for you, who can serve you? What can serve you? Who can be against you? Because God is for you. Weigh that out on the scales. who begun the good work in you will be faithful to complete it till the day of Jesus Christ. God's not a quitter. He's a finisher. Make no mistake. Will you stand to your feet today? Hallelujah. Hey, if you need prayer for anything at all this morning, you're going through something, whatever it may be, just need encouragement or just trying to uh, get closer to the Lord, whatever it might be, I'm going to have some of our prayer team come down to the altar here. And we're, before we go, we're just going to lift our praise to the Lord, thank Him, tell Him how much we love Him. While we're doing that, if you need prayer for anything, I just encourage you, don't be bashful. You can step out of your chair, walk down to the front. Wonderful folks who love you and care about you are here to minister to you, pray for you, encourage you, whatever that might be, whatever it is that you need. Uh, let's just raise our voice today. Let's give the Lord praise. He's worthy of that, isn't He? He's a good God, and he is for us. The enemy's been defeated. Death couldn't hold you down. We're gonna lift our voice in victory. We're gonna make your praises loud. The enemy's been defeated. Death couldn't hold you down.
Jesus. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We are in love with you, Lord. Fill our lives with the rich treasures of your goodness, God. It surpass anything that this world has to offer. As David said, let us be able to say to ourselves and to others, taste and see. Drink deeply that the Lord is good. His goodness is pursuing you. It's chasing you. It's following you. And God is for you. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. And may he give you peace. God bless you, everyone. Have a beautiful, safe, and fun-filled Memorial Day weekend. And have an awesome day.